there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Praise the Lord, and then I'm going to dive straight into this message. Um, I'm going to talk about Lord, I thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you want to speak to us. And I pray that as we listen to your word, Lord, that you give us hearts to hear what you want to say and thoughts to put it into practice. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing our series today. We've just got one more talk. The only important part today, trust me. Um, we're going to continue our series today on the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be talking about Sabbath. I'm not going to start by reading the scripture. I'm going to start with a story, a true story, about my husband, Matt, too. Pete, as I already mentioned, Matt is the one that's just taken my children away. Okay, um, anyone who uh, knew Matt before we got together, we've been together for nine years now, eight years now, I can't remember, a while. If you knew him before that, in his younger days, because he didn't always have the grey hair, he was young at some point, he used to be a bit of a workaholic. Um, he worked for a long time, for about 10 years, for a global marketing firm. Um, and he was very successful at that company. Uh, he was a bit of a wunderkind, actually. He was awarded Employee of the Year in his mid-twenties, which is no mean feat. There are thousands of employees in these companies, absolutely enormous, and I think Matt is the best one that year that was a little swat. Um, he, but his working pattern to achieve these kind of heights was not healthy. He was under a lot of pressure, and it's still, actually, even now, the pressure affects his sleep, but even back then it was even worse. And often he'd wake up at 2, 3 in the morning thinking about work, so he'd just go downstairs and start. At 3 in the morning, that's normal, isn't it? So his laptop would be open and he'd figure, well, I I'm thinking about it, let's just crack on. So his working day would start at 3 a.m. And then he'd just carry on all the way through uh, till silly o'clock. But because he was so good and because he worked so hard, he got lots of promotions very quickly. Um, and he was soon handed the management of a particularly challenging client for this marketing company, a global brand, who were very lucrative to the business. They paid a lot of money to Matt's company to look after them, and Matt was in charge of, of, of that client. And they were very demanding, uh, very difficult, and also based near London. So he was up and down the motorway several times a week trying to keep his company sweet. Um, also, around the same time, uh, Matt was stepping up in leadership of a new church plant in Birmingham. Gathering Church, and they wanted to release their lead pastor Andy to an employee a few days a week so he could serve the community and serve the church. To do that, you have lots and lots of legal things that need to be in place, lots of employment, admin, and tax stuff you have to do. So Matt was tasked with the job of sorting that out because he's good at that kind of stuff. He does it for springs too. That's what he does now. He knows, he, he loves Excel basically. He's a bit of a dog, really. He's really good at that kind of stuff. Also, around this time, he started dating me. Yeah. He'd never had a long-term girlfriend before. Insert Matt's emphasis on by choice. Uh, he knows I'm telling this story, but he said, you have to tell them I chose not to have. I had options, Lindsay. I just didn't want a long-term girlfriend. Yeah, okay. And then I came along when he couldn't resist. So he, he delved into the depths of Match.com and nothing had come of it. And then we uh, met and we started going out. And bearing in mind, I also brought with me 
a one-year-old son and a divorce. So it wasn't the easiest of girlfriends to choose, to be honest, for more reasons than one, which he was yet to find out. Also around this time, all this is still going on, uh, Matt's sister Emily became pregnant with our niece Holly. But the pregnancy was not straightforward. Um, and Emily and her husband Mark found out that the baby had a major issue with the kidneys. One of them wasn't growing, and the other kidney wasn't really working. And they were told basically to expect the worst. Um, and it's a miraculous story because Holly's fine. She just has one kidney and it works fine. But she's perfectly fine. I'm sure you'll meet her one day. She's eight now. But at the time, they didn't know this. Now, Matt and his family, they're pretty tight. Um, there's not many of them. There's hundreds of me. Oh, there's gazillions. I've got so many cousins. I think I'm counting 67 now. True story. from am Um But Matt's family are not like that. They're, there's not that many of them, so they are, they are close. And so Emily's news was really carried by them all. Uh, so Matt was um, happily supporting his parents and Emily and also managing his own grief at the potential of losing his only niece before she was even born. A lot was going on in his little life. Matt's solution to coping with it all was to work even harder. Believe it or not, to get up even earlier, to make himself even more available to those around him. And therefore he started spreading himself way too thin. It doesn't take a genius to work out what happened next. Matt Walsney, burnt out. I won't go into all the gory details for you, um, but I can assure you Matt was good for nothing. Uh, he spoke to his boss who could see for themselves that he was not the Matt they thought he was, and they gave him a, about a month off on a paid sabbatical to try and get him to have his head back in the game. And Matt was forced to rest you know, God literally made him lie down in green pastures, as the psalm says. He literally led him beside quiet waters, and he gradually restored his soul. Now, he's a different person to who he was back then. That was, like I say, about nine years ago, and he learned an awful lot about the importance of resting, of switching off, of knowing when to stop. And despite what Peter just said, when to say, no, I can't, I haven't got the capacity. He's a better husband for it by far. He's a better father for it. He's a better manager for it. And he's a better employee for it. Now, if Matt's story isn't unique, there'll be people across this room that have experienced similar things in their own life. Um, and in fact, I think there's something about the pace of modern life that impacts all of us at various times. Anxiety levels across the nation have never been higher. Um, the pace of modern life, it does not lead to the restoration of our souls. It actually leads to implosion within our souls if we don't watch it. Because there's something about the speed at which we live our lives that is not conducive to human flourishing. Many of us are surviving, but we are not thriving. So this afternoon, we're going to be looking at the Sabbath day and what God said about taking a rest to see if we can understand how we as creatures are supposed to work and function and thrive as a species by looking to the one who created us, to the one who designed us. And when we do that, what we do, what we find is that our creator is very keen on his creation resting regularly. 
We can see this when we look at how God created the world. After six days of creating the skies and the land and the animals and the people, this is what the Bible says that God did. This is Genesis 2. It says, Thus the heavens, heavens, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he'd done. Now that word rested in Hebrew is the word Shabbat. You might have heard it before. You've heard a sermon on the Sabbath, you've heard of the word Shabbat. But if you haven't, let me tell you what it means. It means to stop. So that word Sabbath, Shabbat, means to stop, to cease. Now, I found this interesting because God wasn't tired from his creating because God doesn't slumber or sleep. So God doesn't get tired, yet he modelled the art and the practice of stopping and resting for us, his creations, to copy. And then he blessed that day, he said, and he made it holy. Holy means he made it special, he set it apart. He made it a priority for us, his creations, to rest. So he literally wove Sabbath rest into the rhythms of creation. And that's the first point to make. Sabbath rest is a rhythm of creation. That word rhythm, I found, really illuminating when thinking about this. And we can understand it a bit more if we think about a set of drums. Our day has played drums splendidly tonight because he's done something very important. Because both of my boys are learning the drums, by the way, at school, God help me. And uh, their method is to just which is not rhythmical, it's noise. And any musician will tell you that when you play an instrument like the drums, what makes it rhythmical is not just the hitting, but the stopping. <coughs> you hit it, then you wait, then you hit it, then you wait, and that's what creates the rhythm. That waiting in music has a proper name. It's called a rest. So if you want good rhythm, it involves rest. Good rhythm in life comes with good rest. God built it that way. Do you see it? Yeah. How many of you wish your life had better rhythm? <laughs> had some order to it? How many of us wish it wasn't all go, 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 all the time? That desire was put there by God. He created us to live rhythmical lives, and rhythm involves resting. Technology follows this principle too. When's the last time you turned your phone off, by the way? 1997? <laughs> but if you have an app on your phone and you get the Catherine Wheel of Death, you know the one, and it just won't work, you take it to a phone shop and they'll say, turn it off and on again. Give it a second. It, it needs to rest and then a reboot. Human beings are exactly the same way. Now, I went through a phase of thinking that I could run every single day. I'm a runner. I've preached on this before, I won't bore you with the, the details, but I am a runner and I thought I, if I can run every single day of the week I'll get even fitter and even faster and I'll beat all my PBs. So I tried it one week and within days my foot was raging because it's not very good anyway <coughs> uh, and each run felt harder, not easier. Despite doing the same distance and often the same route every single time, I wasn't any faster and I wasn't any fitter, I was worse. So now I make myself have two rest days each week. And as a result, I always run way better and faster and further the day after a rest day, always. That rest day usually is a Sunday for me, not because it's the Sabbath, just because we're really busy on a Sunday, 
So Monday morning, I do more ten k's in a Monday morning than any other day of the week because I've had a rest day the day before. My body needs to rest. It's better for it afterwards. And when God created the world, He built rest, like I say, into the rhythm of His work. So as His creatures, we need rest. We need sleep. Don't think that you don't, people. You do. I keep telling Matt, Matt, you need sleep. We spend a third of our lives sleeping. Did you know that? We should do. That's how God designed us to be. Rest is essential for our health. And you all know what happens when you try to fight sleep, don't you? Or sleep is taken from us. Some of you are vile when sleep is taken from you. you. You know what you're like. You know how much you need it. You know the torture that we went through with Daniel. I've shared this many times. Two and a half years, that kid woke up every single night. Three, four, five times a night. Two and a half years, we were walking zombies by the end of it. We had to make a rule up that if we said things to each other between the hours of midnight and six and they weren't very kind, the other person was not allowed to bring it up in the morning. <laughs> because we were not in control of our thoughts. We were battered, so tired. And when you're tired, you don't flourish. The best doesn't come out of you, the worst comes out of you. I recommend that rule for any parents of a young baby. Feel free to take it, it's kept our marriage intact. Sarah, thank you. God designed us to rest. We can't function effectively without it. Have you ever seen the impact on uh, a day out by a tired child? Oh, no one can ruin a day out like a tired child. Oh my goodness. Those of you that have children grown up, I'm sure you can remember the days that you planned, but you put your heart so, so excited to take them somewhere and they just had a massive tantrum and they wreck it. <laughs> just like our kids need their parents to make sure they nap and make sure they go to bed at a decent time. We, you know, our Heavenly Father knows we're his children. Sometimes we need God to say, stop. You need to have a rest now. You're being destructive. One of the ways um, to show him that we trust him is to stop and to rest. And that brings us nicely onto our next point about the purpose of the Sabbath. Sabbath isn't just about having good rhythm for the sake of our health, although that's very important. Choosing to stop and rest is actually a demonstration of our faith in God. And we can learn a lot about the purpose of Sabbath by looking at how the people of Israel screwed it up, actually. So we're going to get more, a little bit more into the Bible now with this one. So that verse in Genesis, it was initially written uh, for a group of people called Israel. They're a nation, a group of people, thousands of years ago. And it was written to explain to them who they were and who their God was. How they got here and what he wanted them to do. It was written how to show them how to live well in the way their God had created them. Now the funny thing with the nation of Israel is that they didn't listen to God. In fact, the whole, the whole Testament is pretty much about how Israel didn't listen to God. <laughs> story after story, time and time again, they gave God the proverbial middle finger and ignored all of his instructions and warnings. Now you might know this particular story well. The Israelites are enslaved in a place called Egypt. And they are literally slaves working for nothing. And um, a God, God calls a guy called Moses and says, Moses, I want, I want you to go to the nasty Pharaoh who's keeping them all the slaves and tell him to let my people go. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and long, long story short, the Pharaoh lets the Israelites go and God leads them out using Moses out of Egypt. He even parts the Red Sea for them to walk through and they cross the Red Sea and then they don't really trust what God's going to do. So they end up 40 years in the wilderness because again, they don't really listen to him, which is a story for another time. Anyway. They're out of Egypt, they're not slaves anymore, they're doing the wilderness. But God says, even though I didn't really want you to stay in the wilderness for 40 years, I'm still going to look after you because I love you. I will provide uh, manna, quail, 
bread, birds, for you to eat every day. You don't need to worry, but remember, don't gather them up on the Sabbath day. Don't work on the Sabbath day, you have to rest. I'll make sure you have enough food the day before so you can collect enough to last you through the Sabbath so that you don't have to worry and fret about where your food's going to come from, but you have to rest on the Sabbath. But in Exodus 16, we read they didn't do it. They didn't rest. They continued to work and try to collect food on the Sabbath day as well. So why? Why did they do that? Well, ultimately, they didn't trust God. They didn't trust God to provide the food that he said they would need on that day. They thought they were going to go hungry and they needed to depend on themselves because true rest, true stopping, is actually a sign of faith in God's ability to provide care for us even if we stop. True rest is saying to God, you're in control, you're the captain of this ship, I'm not, and I trust you. And some of us are rubbish at doing that. Absolutely rubbish at doing that. We worry that if we don't keep going, if I don't keep working, if I don't keep striving, if I don't keep pushing on, if I don't answer every email straight away, or don't answer every WhatsApp message as soon as it beeps, if we don't say yes to every request made of us, people will like us less, if I'm not always available for them, they won't invite me out anymore, if I let people down, they'll think bad of me. And actually, what we're doing is, really, is, is missing the point. We don't ultimately trust that God is the one who plans our future. We don't trust that God is the one that opens and closes doors of opportunity. Every promotion you have, he provides it. Yeah. Not you, he does it. Yeah. God is the one we ultimately live to serve. God's opinion is the only one that matters. And he asks us to rest. He asks us to stop. He asks us to trust him to provide and be there for us. To, he asked us to stop and acknowledge that he's in control, and we are not. But like us, the Israelites, they were just like us. The Israelites, they didn't trust God. They didn't observe the Sabbath. He so wanted them to enjoy. So, God had no choice. And he not only makes the Sabbath a rhythm of, of his creation, he makes it a rule of his covenant. He writes it into the Ten Commandments that every Israelite has to obey. So this is where it brings us on to the Ten Commandments part. This is what it says, okay? This is in Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male and female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner resting in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He tells them basically, I've given you the chance to do this willingly and you've not done it. So now I'm commanding you, take a day off. And he blesses it and he makes the day holy. Like he, he blesses it. It becomes a gift of blessing to them. He gives them the Sabbath as a gift, as a blessing, not as a noose around their neck. As a, as a gift with health-generating potential. And he makes it holy by taking it away from all the normal days of the week and setting it apart. He adds to the quality of the time I have on earth each week by taking a day of it away. So addition by subtraction. He says, I'm taking a day of your week away so that you can see and remember how much I love you 
and how much I take care of you and how much you can trust me. Take a day away so you can see that you're dependent on me. But we're just not good at that as humans. We're not good at depending on God. For two reasons, anxiety and ego. We worry that he won't provide for us so we work harder, anxiety. Or we think we finally can do it on our own and we don't have to depend on him, ego. But God wants to show us that we can trust him and we can't do it ourselves. We need him. So stopping the striving, stopping the constant work and toiling and resting in God ultimately reminds us that he's in control and he loves us and that we can depend on him. So we won't rest into the rhythm of creation, but if you want to function well, you need to rest. And he made it a rule, a commandment for our own good. All the Ten Commandments were for Israel's own good. If they wouldn't listen to their bodies, God would make them rest by instilling it into law. But Sabbath wasn't only a rhythm of creation or a rule to demonstrate our faith. Sabbath was also a sign. Because Exodus 31, 13, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbath. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. That's interesting, isn't it? To think of the Sabbath as a sign. A sign points to things they want you to see. That's the function of a sign. So what did God want them to see through the Sabbath? What was it a sign pointing to? <coughs> they find the answer to this in Deuteronomy 5.15. He said, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a sign of God's salvation, of his rescue. Every time they were Sabbathing, the Israelites were told to remember that God had saved them from Egypt. He provided escape and food for them. To remember that their salvation and their freedom was not because of their own works or effort, but by his grace. Now, I know what you're thinking, because some of you are starting, your eyes are starting to be glazed over slightly, I can see it. Lindsay, this is a great history lesson, it rivals Pete's. <laughs> but we're not Jewish. We don't live by the law of the Jews. We're Christians. <coughs> we follow Jesus. This is irrelevant. Well, that's true. We are Christians. So let's look at what Jesus said about the Sabbath, because Jesus got into trouble a lot on the Sabbath. Jewish people, they obey the Sabbath religiously. You can kind of see why. I mean, there are so many verses about it in the Old Testament. It was drilled into them to the point that actually it became a proper kind of religious observance by the time that Jesus was walking the earth. It had evolved, as traditions often do, into a strict observance of a day of rest where nothing could happen. Nothing could happen. Nothing at all could happen. It was based on ritual religion, not relationship with God. And we read in Matthew 12 that on one Sabbath day Jesus is walking through some fields with his disciples and they're hungry so they start picking some grains, ears of corn and pulling the shells off them and eating what was inside and then some of the religious people see them and they're outraged because they say that's harvesting, you're harvesting on the Sabbath, you're picking corn and you're taking the shell, that's, how, that's work you're working on, yeah, they're working on the Sabbath and they try, they try to kill you that's what they try, all these reasons add up to how Jesus ended up on the cross. Later that same day, <coughs> Jesus is in the synagogue, and a guy comes in who's got this kind of 
with a triple cam, something wrong with his hand. And you can see the religious people in the background thinking, he's not, he'd better not. Don't you dare do what I think you're going to do, Jesus. And Jesus, I love it. I think, honestly, if he had the chance, he'd have gone. Because <laughs> he reaches out and he heals this man and he makes his hand better. And when they start going, what well, you can't heal this, it's the Sabbath, you shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath, Jesus turns to them <laughs> and basically says, I, I hope I translate into modern day language, uh, screw you all, um, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, he didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing it, but uh, I'm putting my own spin on it. But he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was a sign pointing to Jesus which very much offended the people listening to him. But Jesus embodied everything the Sabbath represented. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is the one that we can trust. And the Sabbath meant to show us that, that I'm weak, someone else needs to strengthen me. I'm guilty, someone else needs to pay my debt. I am enslaved, someone else needs to free me. And that someone, is Jesus. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus did away with the rule of the Sabbath um, linked to, I'm sorry again. Jesus did away with the rule of the Sabbath linked to want to restore um, the rhythm of life resting in him. In other words, instead of the Sabbath becoming about the same day every week that you have to observe, if you don't observe it, you go to hell. Jesus said, no, no, you're missing the point. The, the point of Sabbath was to create a rhythm of resting where you realise that God loves you and provides for you. And I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You don't need to observe it as a rule anymore. You need to enjoy it as a relationship. Now the question we often hear then about the Sabbath is this. Are we still supposed to keep the Sabbath day as a rule? That's a fair question. If throughout the Bible, as Christians, should we keep the Sabbath day? Well, I won't go into the internet. But for starters, Sabbath day isn't a Sunday anyway. Even though we do church on Sunday, Sabbath is a Saturday for the Jews. Friday night for Saturday night. But actually, rather than making my opinion, we can, we can read all about it. If you read Romans 14, Paul, the Apostle Paul, says basically, no, you don't. No. Which some of you think. But that is what Paul teaches. We no longer have to keep the Sabbath as a rule. In Romans 14, Paul teaches that the sign of the Sabbath simply pointed to Jesus and that observing one particular day of Sabbath rest is absolutely fine. It's up to you doesn't matter which day and it's okay if you want to but you don't have to it's not wrong to do it but it's not essential either what matters though what is essential is who we find our rest in not when we find it which is good news if you work shifts or nights the rule of the covenant is over okay this ten commandment you must observe the sabbath day that rule is over because of Jesus, but the rhythm of Sabbath rest is still something that we all need to submit to because without rest, you can't function as God intended. <coughs> so you're not going to get into trouble if you work on a Sunday or a Saturday, but the rhythm is still in place. You are still built to function optimally with rest. And if you don't rest in Jesus and submit to his purpose and plan for your life, you are going to break. You're going to burn out like Matt did. <coughs> So let's get practical and bring it into land. How do we find rest in Jesus in this crazy, hectic, modern world? How do we do it? 
And then whenever I see that, hear that phrase, let's get practical, I'm like, let's get practical. <laughs> oh, that, that was my hot swatches, by the way, in case you've ever done aerobics. Um, let's get practical. Number one, think daily rest, not weekly rest. My, top, my own personal top tip to finding daily times of Sabbath rest is to do first thing in the morning. And it's been interesting this last part, uh, last three weeks, because Pete gave a challenge out at the start then that he was going to wake up early in the morning and go on Zoom and open it for everyone to join and pray with him. And people have been. And I've, I've done it too several times. But there are times where my laptop has been right next to me on the sofa and I've purposely chosen to put I'm not logging on. Because I am jealous for that quiet time in the morning. And sometimes I don't want to share it with people. Not, not that any of you won't pray lovely prayers and inspire me. I don't want to share it with you. I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from him today. Sometimes I hear from God from other people. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to do. But there are times when I just want to just be in the presence of the Lord on my own. And I find resting in the Lord early in the morning is a really good time to do. And I know people can find millions of reasons not to. My challenge would be change your life hacks so that you can get up. Switch your laptop off a bit earlier the night before. Maybe don't play that third PS5 game. Go to bed a bit earlier so you can wake up earlier and spend time resting in the presence of God. I remember Tony Campomo speaking about his own prayer life about 15 years ago. I heard him preach on this. And he said his prayer life used to be he'd get up and he'd kind of get over his journal and he'd list off all these things he needed God to do. Like, Dear Lord, Sister Mary's ill in the hospital. Like God's up in heaven going, Really? <laughs> didn't know that. Which hospital? <laughs> and he said, I changed, because God already knows what we need before we ask of it. And his prayer life changed from that to, he would wake in the morning and he wouldn't go anywhere. He would simply die and say the name Jesus. 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 Over and over again. And gradually, he'd feel the presence of the Lord come and rid him of the filth and the mess and fill him with peace and rest. Now some of you are thinking, if I did that, I'd just fall back to sleep. <laughs> so did I. I tried it once and it didn't work. So I have to get out of bed. But the principle is still the same. Finding those times of rest often works well to do it first thing in the morning. That is the model that Jesus followed. But that isn't, that isn't the rule. The point is, whenever you do it, whether it's late at night, whether it's when the kids are napping, whether it's on your commute back from work, on the train, whatever it is, is finding that time of resting. It won't happen by chance. It just won't happen by chance. It has to be something you plan for and prioritise every day. You have to make resting in the presence of Jesus a rhythm of your life. And that takes effort. So number two, find a mind that's at rest. Don't think that using Netflix or Instagram is a replacement for switching off. It isn't. You might have feet up on the sofa and you might not be physically moving around, but if you spend that time wasting two hours each night trawling through your social feed, I guarantee your mind will not be rested afterwards. It's not true rest and it won't work. So, what's it wrong with social media and other Netflix? We, we regularly binge on things on, on, on that, uh, that platform. But sometimes you just have to get off social media for a little while because it just fills your head with noise. Turn off Netflix for a few hours. They're just distractions. We kid ourselves like that's our release for us. It's how we let our hair down. It's how we relax. 
but actually it just adds to the volume in our thoughts sometimes. And I am the worst for this. I spend so much time clicking through Facebook to avoid doing other things. <laughs> Distracting ourselves, though, is not the same as resting in Jesus. It's not. Number three. Don't let the storms stop you from stopping. Some of you have got such busy lives, I know that you do. You're caring for elderly or poorly relatives. You're carrying financial burdens for your family. You've got incredibly stressful jobs. Some of you are supporting your kids who are really struggling with their life, or some of you are advising for very difficult exams. How, how do you find rest in those circumstances? I think sometimes we can make the excuse that there's just too much going on right now. I'm too busy to stop. My mom is too ill. My husband's too depressed. My kids are too rebellious. My job is too stressful. I can't afford to rest. I'll find time to rest when this is all sorted and everything's calmed down. Wrong. There's a story in one of the, uh, in several of the Gospels actually, where Jesus is on a boat and there's a huge storm, like a proper storm, and his boat is about to sink and his disciples are pooing their pants thinking they're gonna die and Jesus is asleep. Asleep? In the storm? Why? Because he trusted God. <laughs> he understood that God was in control. No storm is too great for our Heavenly Father to deal with. He understood that everything we need is provided for by God. So therefore peace and rest is available in him regardless of the circumstance <coughs> that we're in. That's what being rooted in him does for us too. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So let's bring it into land. Sabbath is not a specific day of the week. Sabbath is a rhythm of rest in Jesus. It doesn't have to be pinned down to one day. It's a daily rhythm where we allow God to lead us beside quiet waters to show us how to lie down in the pastures of his presence and find restoration and refreshment for our soul in him. And if you're not having periods of resting by still waters, then you're not letting God shepherd you. You will have busy seasons, Jesus did too. Sometimes he worked all day and all night, but they must be punctuated with rest. That's why Jesus often took himself away very early in the morning, he often said, into the quiet places, praying and be with his Father. So, Andy, you want to come back up? And I've got one little challenge for you before we sing together. Because I want you to look at your life and ask yourself, when am I stopping each day to rest in him? Do I even know what that looks like? How is Sabbath part of the rhythm of my life? How aware am I of my need and my dependence on him? When was the last time I stopped to acknowledge his provision? When was the last time I asked God to lead me beside these metaphorical quiet waters to restore my soul? At the start of the service, we were praying, and I had a, a picture, we were praying, of one of those old-style TV sets. And you know when you used to turn them off, off and that, the light would kind of flash, and like a, a white, uh, colourful line would appear on the, the centre of the screen before it went blank. I saw this picture of someone just turning the telly off, and it went, and the challenge I felt the Lord said was that some of us need to find the off switch. Some of us need to look at our lives and think, at, at what point do I need to just say enough, turn off the noise, I want to be 
I want him to restore my soul, to give me the rest that I need in his presence. So as the band play, let's take a few moments just to reflect on what needs to change for each of us to create that space for us to stop. Just switch off. For some people here today, this might be the, the first time that you ever considered that Jesus is actually a living person that you can visit and rescue. He's not just a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white man in a Sunday school story you were given years ago. He's a living entity. He's alive. That's what Easter's all about. He's a person that calls us to rest in him, to enjoy his presence. He died on a cross two thousand years ago to pay the price for our mistakes and then he rose again from the grave in order to become alive in our hearts. All we need to do, all we need to do, he's asking to find his place in the throne in our lives so that we can rest and become rooted in him. So I'm going to say a really simple, very quick little prayer. And if you want to ask him to come and show you what rest looks like for the first time, to encounter him as a real person, why don't you just pray this quietly in your heart, along with me. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. All the ways I've screwed up. I ask you to forgive me. And make me whole. I ask you to come into my heart and fill my life with your rest your peace and your purpose. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm actually to do something very brave. If you have prayed that prayer with me, everyone else is going to be staring at their feet, but if you pray that prayer, I'm going to look out on the congregation. I'd like you to look at me, because I'd, I'd like to give you a Bible before you go, and just help you to understand a little bit more about what you've just done. So if that's you, just have a look at me now.
thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.